So I am currently a senior at Spencerville Adventist Academy, and I will admit senior year is probably one of the more stressful ones. Seniors, can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> so this past week has been especially stressful, not necessarily because finals are coming up in two weeks or because SA is hosting a banquet in two days, or even because I'm turning 18 in a couple of days, which means I can now get legally sued, which is stressful to me. I don't know. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But because of a Bible project, Mr. Sofer is standing back there, hello, um, and it is his Bible project. It's a marriage proposal project. So this week, or the week before, we were assigned partners. First we take a temperament test, and then we're paired with someone. So I got Taya, and she's standing here in the front. Hi. Uh, um, and it's so interesting to see the class dynamic completely change during this period of time. There's so much expectation, so much excitement, so much stress, so many different emotions going through people's minds. The guys on one side are over here trying to plan the proposals, completely stressed out, not knowing what the person will like, not knowing whether they're going to say yes or no. And then, and then the girls on this side are anticipating what, like, who they're going to get, because they don't know who they're going to get. So there's people... I'm gonna call you out, I'm so sorry. There's people like Zoe who voice record, record, like voice record conversations because they're so excited and they have so much anticipation for this one event. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this got me thinking. If there's so much anticipation, so much excitement, so much planning that goes into this one event, this one ultimately homework assignment, this one project, how much more anticipation was there for what we're talking about today, Jesus' birth? So, Jesus' birth. As I was thinking about what to possibly say, two points resonated with me. One, the expectation of Jesus' birth wasn't new. The promise had always existed, and two, that his birth happened because of his love for us. Think about it. The expectation of Jesus' birth wasn't just for nine months in Mary's womb, but for thousands of years before that. Let me prove it to you. Um, everyone, if you don't mind, turn with me to the beginning, pretty much. Genesis 3.15. That, again, is Genesis 3.15. And while you all are looking it up, I'm going to give you some backstory. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything completely perfect. Not too long after that, Adam and Eve sinned. Though fallen and tainted by sin, God gave Adam and Eve and all humanity, the promise of a savior. In Genesis 3.15, it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. This verse shows the start of an anticipated hope for a Messiah that would come into the world to save us. The ultimate seed of the woman would be Jesus himself. So we have in Genesis 3.15, the first promise of a redeemer. No time is wasted in establishing or creating a promise of a redeemer that will come through a descendant of Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, God did not destroy them. He revealed his covenant by promising them a savior. In essence, we can see from the beginning what is to be expected. This promise points to the Christmas story, and the Christmas story is revealed here as early as Genesis. And like any good Christmas story passed down to multiple generations, we see it again. Not where we typically, every Christmas day, we read it in one of the Gospels, either Matthew or Luke, but in Isaiah. Turn with me, if you will, to Isaiah 7, 14. 
I really like this book, the Bible, so I will be reading from it quite a bit, and I'll be asking you guys to turn with me here and there. Um, Isaiah 7:14 says, "Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign: Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel." This is one of the most famous prophecies regarding the birth of Jesus. We know this passage is actually speaking about Jesus because it says he will be known as Emmanuel meaning God with us. This was true of Jesus, in fact, not only as a title. Emmanuel, Emmanuel speaks not only of the divinity of Jesus, God with us, but also his identification and nearness to man, God with us. His promise was that of actually coming and being with us. And God with us comes first into fruition where we read it in Matthew, which Lauren so beautifully read to us. Thank you for that. I'm going to be turning now to Matthew 1, 20 to 23. And it reads, But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. At this point, we've heard the promise pretty much spread out throughout the entire Bible. Specifically, this promise points to the Christmas story, but what prompted this? What motivated such to us an unexpected and undeserved plan? The answer to that is ultimately love, a type of love that we don't deserve. Now, during Christmas, we typically like to give gifts to people, and not just any people, people that we like. Um, <laughs> we typically don't go around giving gifts to, and as much as I hate to admit it, we don't typically like to go around giving gifts to people who slander us or are constantly mean to us. We tend to give gifts to people who are kind to us and loving to us or who we care about or people in need. But what God does here is so amazing. He reveals his love by giving it to the exact people who don't deserve it the people who slander his name, the people who are mean to him, all of those things. In Isaiah, it says, um, Isaiah 53.3, if you'll turn with me there. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Jesus was to come into the world where he was not only not accepted, but despised. God's love for us is so beyond belief that he's willing to promise us a savior in spite of that, when it seems like we don't even want it, but we so desperately need it. And of course, God knows so much better than we do. Okay, so really quick, how many of you guys know this book? It's one of my favorites. <laughs> um, it's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Raise your hand if you've ever read it before. Yes, I used to read it as a kid, and I didn't really realize how cool some of the things in this book actually are. Um, so I'm going to read a certain part of, um, it's closer to the beginning of the book. It's a conversation between um, Susan and Mr. Beaver, if you, guys know, if you guys are familiar with the characters. So it says, oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? 
course, he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. I just think that's so powerful because what we were promised is not just a little baby or a ring that I give to propose <laughs> for a project or even a gift that we give to one of our friends. We were proposed, we were, we were given the gift and promised a Messiah. We were given the gift of a king and even beyond that, a good king. The Christmas story has been revealed since literally forever, but what's revealed more throughout the Bible is God's love for us. He did it all out of love. His birth was expected, and he didn't disappoint. He's exactly and absolutely what he said he would be. He is Emmanuel. He is good. He is the king, I tell you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you do so much for us that we don't deserve. You provide us unimaginable blessings, and we want to thank you for coming to us and being a good king who is willing to save us in spite of how little we deserve it. Thank you for always keeping your promises and never letting us down. You're a God whose love knows no limits, and we thank you. All these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Lindsay Gispert, and for those of you who don't know me, I would like to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm originally from Atlanta, Georgia, but for high school, I moved up to Maryland, where I started attending Spencerville Adventist Academy, and am currently a reigning senior. I love my school, so much so that I'm student body president this year, and I love my church, so it really is a blessing to be speaking to you all today. I can officially check it off my bucket list. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for all of your wonderful children who you have given the strength to glorify you up on stage today. Please be with my message and help it to touch the hearts of those who need it. In your name, I pray, amen. So as you all have heard from Caleb, our theme this Sabbath is the birth of Jesus. Now if you turn with me in your Bibles, the story starts in the first chapter of Matthew, and we're going to read verse 18. But surprisingly enough, the story doesn't start with Jesus himself. It starts with two rather plain human beings, whose names I'm sure you know very well, Mary and Joseph. Verse 18 reads as follows. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now, in general, when we talk about this story, we focus on the perspective of Mary. But growing up learning this story all the time, I always thought it was so obvious why Mary believed the prophecy. I mean, how could she not? The evidence was within her. But for Joseph, on the other hand, the evidence wasn't so plainly laid out. He only had Mary's word. Take a moment and think about someone who is very close to you, someone you trust entirely. It can be a spouse, a relative, a best friend, okay? You got your person? Now think if this person comes to you and they say, so I know this sounds crazy, but God gave me the ability to fly. 
What are you talking about? You can't fly. That's, that's impossible. Why are you making up stories? I don't, I don't get it. And this person's absolutely adamant. They're like, no, this happened. I'm telling you the truth. And you don't see any tangible evidence of this person flying. You have only their word. I think most of you can agree that regardless of your relationship with this person, you wouldn't be super quick to take their word on it. You would raise an eyebrow. And it's because of that that we can understand Joseph's perspective here. Because yes, while he wants to believe Mary, his new wife and lover, how could he? Joseph knew that this child was not his own. And in verse 19, it says that he was advised to put her away secretly. Can you imagine what was going through his head? The turmoil? I love this girl. We just got together. Why would she do this to me? And why would she make such an absurd explanation for it? Why would she lie to me? I think it's at this point that Joseph starts to wonder, well, maybe she is telling the truth. But you have to remember, there's other influences. Joseph has friends and family, and they're all coming up to him saying, this girl is crazy. You need to leave her immediately. Joseph is surrounded by doubt. But where the devil plants doubt, God plants hope. It's at this point where Joseph receives a message from an angel. And the angel reaffirms that everything Mary has told him is in fact true. And from here, Joseph doesn't bat an eyelash. He immediately believes, and he becomes a supportive husband to Mary, carrying her hand through what we all know would be a world-changing event, the birth of Jesus Christ. Joseph was obedient, and more importantly, he was quick-acting. Sometimes situations are placed in front of us that seem impossible. And while God is telling us to go forward, the devil is right there telling you to stop, turn around, go left, go right, go any direction but God's. And this is a struggle that we have on a daily basis. You've seen in the cartoons, there's a good angel on one shoulder and a bad angel on the other shoulder and the person in the middle is very confused on which direction to go. But why is it so hard to be like Joseph? Yes, he was confused, and because of that, he doubted. But when he heard the voice of God, he immediately forgot what doubt was. He was obedient the first try. It didn't take days after that of pondering or following contemplation. God spoke, and Joseph moved. So, we like control so much so that when God gives us direct instructions, we feel like we need to fact check him first. We need to make sure he crossed all his T's and dotted all his I's. When in reality, that's such a waste of time, isn't it? When God directs us, we should be like Joseph. We shouldn't feel the need to double check him and see if he's right or wrong. We should have that faith and that trust in our relationship with him to follow his word without hesitation. You can't take a second and think every time a problem is placed in your lap, whether or not, hey, am I gonna take God's advice on this or am I gonna go solo? If you decide to be a follower of Christ, 
That answer is the same every time. So what would have happened if in that moment Joseph decided to neglect both God and Mary? Would Mary have to have raised the birth of Jesus on her own? I don't know. We can't predict all those outcomes. But what we do know is this. If in that very moment Joseph had denied God, Joseph would be left out of the story. Joseph would have missed the opportunity to have a helping hand in raising the Messiah. And what a joy that probably brought to his life. Think of all the opportunities you miss when you don't move when God tells you to. When you drag your feet on something you know you were called to do. I want to tell you a story about myself. So, when I had just graduated eighth grade, I went to summer camp that summer. And anyone that knows me knows I love summer camp, okay? You know how there's the saying that Disney World is the happiest place on earth? I disagree. I think it's summer camp. But anyway, I was sitting underneath a tree doing my morning devotionals before breakfast, and I said, God, look, I know that I'm moving to Maryland, and I know that I'm going to high school, but I have no idea all the in-betweens of that. I don't know where I'm going to school, and I don't know how to make that decision. So I leave it up to you. Whatever you pick, I'll go. Just please, please pick something, okay? And so that summer, I moved up to Maryland, and I toured every school in this state. And believe me, there are a lot of them. <laughs> and none of them felt right. None of them clicked. I wasn't really getting a feeling of belonging anywhere. And then I came to Spencerville, and I toured, and I met some students, and I met some teachers, and we walked out of that building, and my parents and I didn't even have to say anything to each other. We just looked at one another, and we knew this is where I was meant to be. I heard God say, you can grow here, and I need you here. And so I enrolled, and I started attending Spencerville. But if in that moment I didn't move when God told me to, I would have missed on so many amazing opportunities. I would have missed out on making all the friends and family that are sitting here today looking at me and smiling, hi. I would have missed being a part of this church and this amazing community. I wouldn't even be standing in front of you today preaching. Joseph didn't waste time in contemplation on if God was right or wrong. Joseph had strong faith, and he was an obedient servant. When God spoke, he moved. But when God speaks to you, will you move? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for speaking to us, for guiding us, and we apologize for the times when we drag our feet a little bit on doing your word. God, thank you for bringing us here today for a wonderful, beautiful Sabbath and for us all being together. We love you so much, and in your name we do pray. Amen.